Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM, channel 127. Welcome to Progress After Dark. Welcome to Tell Me Everything, bringing good trouble to the right-wing bubble. I'm John saying here in Manhattan, New York City. Thea is producing us from Brooklyn. Chris, our executive producer, is being executive in production-like down in South Carolina. And for the next couple hours, we're going to be with you right here on channel 127. I am so pleased to welcome this guest to talk about Sheer Height who was praised and ripped to shreds for her work on sexuality in the 70s and 80s. Her books, The Height Report, a nationwide study on female sexuality, The Height Report on men and male sexuality, and Women and Love, a cultural revolution in progress triggered insanely intense reactions from women and men alike. She was regarded as a bold researcher, a pop culture icon, and a deeply inappropriate, shallow, superficial, crazy woman who dared to question the sexual status quo, but she explained to women how their bodies worked, and she was despised for it. I I always thought Sheer Height was like the velvet underground of feminism. You might not have heard of her, but she inspired every feminist you do know. And in the golden age of trash talk TV, she was an unrepentant feminist intellectual who was willing to appear on TV and face absolute troglodytes. This new film, The Disappearance of Sheer Height, is released by IFC Film and directed by Nicole Noonman. She produced and co-directed the 2021 Academy Award-nominated documentary Crip Camp, and it features actress Dakota Johnson's voicing of Sheer Heights' private writings. And it isn't just one of the best movies of the year. This is one of the best nonfiction movies ever made about feminism, sexuality, and the 1970s at a time when questions of sexuality and body autonomy and gender are as up for grabs as they were back in the 1970s. What a great pleasure to welcome Nicole Noonman to SiriusXM. What a great pleasure it is to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I I love your movie. And um, I remember when I was uh, growing up as a teenager in New York City reading The Village Voice, and I learned all about Sheer Height. And I sat down to watch the film with two women. And as we sat down to watch it, they both told me they'd never heard of her before. And these are two women who are much more smart and educated than me. And I I couldn't believe it. But then that's sort of the theme of your film, that her legacy and work that were so ridiculed and later suppressed and forgotten have been done so almost by design. 
Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, I think the the film charts that kind of it, it it takes you kind of. I mean, we chose for the scope of the film, kind of meeting Cher Height at the beginning of her work when it's kind of blossoming organically out of this beautiful, creative, radical movement. You know, that's intersexual and exciting. And uh, and people are really believing that a new world is possible and that we can actually have better relationships between men and women. And then, you know, she rides that wave of this cultural backlash against the gains of feminism um, and kind of just by showing people the great diversity and kind of wonder of how people express differently their sexuality. Um, you know, I think I think she she offered people a choice and conservative forces don't want people to have a choice. You know, they certainly don't want women to have a choice um, about how they live their lives. And so she suffered for it. You know, in some ways, it almost felt like a David and Goliath story um, of this one woman, you know, um, going up against the patriarchy. And I, I love the Velvet Underground reference because I I did really want to kind of try to accentuate what I also saw admiringly as kind of a a really kind of almost punk rock stance that she had about being willing to go out into the culture and speak truth, you know? Um, it's yeah. bravery, but at the time it was seen as insanity, you know, which is tragic. Yeah. And and since her death in 2020, she's barely remembered by the popular culture. But as your film makes the case, it's not so much a case of cancel culture as it is a case of erasure culture by the very kind of mediocre men who were threatened by her work. I'm, I'm very curious if you can share the story with how uh, young you first discovered the work of Sherheit. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Eugene, Oregon, and and my my parents were open minded, but not necessarily progressive. And I guess my mom was open minded enough to buy the height report, um, but not progressive enough to put it out. She hid it in her bedside <laughs> chest, <laughs> and I uh, discovered it there. Of course, that's where she put everything she didn't want me to see, and that's exactly where um, my sister and I would go looking. And um, and for me, it was just um, you know a, a, a portal into this um, beautiful, rich world of female sex. Sexuality, and I learned things in the book um, that I carried with me for the rest of my life. And sometimes I would think about her, you know, because something would happen and I would think, you know, well, I know I'm not crazy because I know plenty of other women feel this way because I read it in the height report. And then I would think how weird that I only know that because I read it in the height report. You know, I don't know it from popular culture discussions now. I didn't learn it in my sex ed classes. I actually don't talk about those things with my friends. So um, I thought a lot about the massive contribution that she made, you know, to women and men by opening up that world and revealing it. Um, And then when I read her obituary in 2020 and the headline in the New York Times was, you know, share height. She explained how women orgasm and she was hated for it. Um, It really set me back and set me down a rabbit hole of trying to discover, you know, who was this woman and 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 not just like what happened to her, but how it happened. You know, I wanted I wanted the story to kind of expose the architecture of how somebody is silenced and forgotten. And I think by slowing down time and looking at observing, you know, how she was treated and what the discussions were like as she went through that, um, you can really see it. And I, I think it's really urgent because we still see that happening to, yeah, you know, iconoclastic person who's sort of speaking the truth in this culture and the media all the time. It's hard to explain in words how 
how how huge this controversy was by her work and what it represented at the time in the 1970s. And that's one of the great achievements of your film is really capturing how earth shattering this is in a way that might be very surprising for people who weren't around in the 1970s. I guess the very fact that, you know, your mother had it but had to hide it and you found it but could never discuss it with your mother kind of sets the stage for where America was at right right at that moment. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know there was a phenomenon of women, um, you know, sewing covers for the book and putting them on the book so nobody would know what was inside of it, you know, and um, (laughs) people have started sending photographs of those things and they're wonderful to see. They're like these hand sewn, you know, covers with a little mouse sewn on the front to make it look cute. And then inside is this like, you know, well-loved copy of the height report, which was like some kind of Bible of, you know, of female sexuality. Because if you think about it, so many of the other discussions around sexuality were about, you know, how does it work? Um, And she was asking people, how do you feel, you know? And, uh, And that was really radical. I love the details of her early life before she became renowned as an academic and and a a researcher on human sexuality. I I, like I said, I grew up reading about her. I never knew that she had been this glamorous model. I never knew that side of her. I just was never exposed to it. So to see how and and um, modeling in adult uh, magazines as well, doing very tasteful nudes. But it was amazing to see how that led to her feminist awakening, which led directly to her academic research that they were really all part of the same timeline the same chain and the modeling which she came to be reviled for later was the originator of her research yeah i mean it's interesting right because she she had an ambivalent and complicated relationship to modeling on the one hand it was part of her you know, uncompromising stance that she ought to be able to be an intellectual and a sexual person at the same time, and that she ought to be able to fully explore and enjoy her persona and, and her her appearance. So she she cultivated this incredibly wildly romantic sort of pre-Raphaelite look. I'll um, say. She, she had stunning fashion. You know, she she really created herself as this kind of otherworldly creature um, who caught a lot of attention in New York City. And later she used that, you know, to to promote the book and the project. But at the same time, she was experiencing, you know, obviously incredible amounts of misogyny and and mistreatment in that industry. And she saw how it was objectifying women. So she ended up protesting, you know, one of the ad campaigns that she was in for all of Eddie typewriters. And that led her directly to the now New York now group on media, which, which was sort of her introduction and into the movement. And she was, she was, it's poignant to me that she was sort of shocked to discover that these women would accept her. Cause I think she felt like she struggled coming from, you know, Florida and um, Missouri to be taken seriously in academia. And she had had to drop out of Columbia graduate school uh, because of that. And so I think um, she was surprised to kind of find herself held by these people who understood why she was, you know, engaging in modeling to try to pay her way through graduate school and um, and were happy to embrace her as a, you know, sister in the feminist movement. And that that is what sparked the height report were her discussions with those women. It's an incredible part of her story, and and it's the mirror image of the academic work she did. One of the most unexpectedly moving parts of the movie for me is when you go through the results of the surveys that women filled out and returned to her, and how in some cases, some of the women 
I guess, didn't feel comfortable writing out these deeply personal answers. So they submitted actual audio recordings with their real voices. And it's some of the most moving parts of the film when you put these together into a montage and we hear the real life women who responded to her back in the 1970s. What was your researching process like when you uncovered all of this material? Well, it was incredible because, you know, she had negotiated to um, give her archive to the Schlesinger Library at Harvard. And when we reached out to them and we were so excited about the project, this was myself and some producers at NBC News Studios. The library responded that they were really excited to hear from us because almost nobody had looked at that material at all, you know, and no, no project really had ever been done from it. And had been sitting there for, I think, over 10 years. Amazing. So, um so that was amazing. And, uh, and it was, I can't describe to you what kind of a trove it was. We actually hired a, um, a Harvard undergrad to go in there and start sending us things from the library because it was closed because of COVID. And so we would just get these, you know, sort of treasure chests full of material that would be things like Cher's writing on the back of opera programs, or she would write on sticky notes, or she would write on, you know, just a little scrap of pink paper. And she would type up these kind of drafts of an autobiography, even when she was kind of in her late 20s in the middle of her modeling career, kind of analyzing her own thought process in this really contemporaneous, vivid way. And um, and there were photographs and there were um, videotapes of some of those shows that we show in the film, which would never have been archived and saved, like that strange Leave It to the Women show, you know? Um, yeah. But she had negotiated to keep a copy and there were the original survey responses and there were these audio cassette tapes. And honestly, it was the audio cassette tapes that tipped me over the edge. I remember my husband coming home from work one day and me saying like, oh, my God, I've heard this thing. I have to do this film because the tapes transport you into the intimacy, I think, between Cher and these women. You know, you can hear them kind of speaking softly and you can hear their yes. husbands rustling in the background or a TV show. And you can tell they're telling her things they've never told anyone, you know? And so, whereas one of the big criticisms of her work from a methodological standpoint was what kind of weird people would want to sit down and fill out over 100 question questionnaire essay yes. format about their sexual lives. You know, I think the answer is like, all of us have an aching need to discuss this stuff that is still repressed in our society. And so feeling that emotional connection to me was, was just, you know, magic and, um, and, Hearing the accents and the types of voices, it also is, you know, transports you back to that time period in a way that I thought was um, exciting and evocative, too. So, yeah, that was a real treasure trove. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. 
visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back. So I remember seeing Sheer Height on television when I was young, and boy, the clips of her media appearances you've included in this film really bring me back to the 70s and the 80s in some very powerful and, and very uncomfortable ways. Her fearlessness, how she would walk onto these TV show sets as a feminist intellectual and be faced in some instances by men who were literally cast just to tear her apart by producers for the entertainment of the audience after her book on male sexuality came out, which talked a lot about men with loneliness and how men struggle emotionally. Uh, the clips you have of her on a TV show with a bunch of Hollywood guys, including Gil Gerard, who played Buck Rogers, like handsome, wealthy Hollywood men berating her because the experience of their respondents don't reflect their experience at all as attractive men in Hollywood. It, it just seemed like it had to have been a huge well of compassion in her that she would keep subjecting herself to this kind of abuse on so many TV shows. Yeah, you know, you're the first person to say it that way. And I think it's really true. I mean, a lot of people actually question me even after watching the film, some people are still disturbed by the fact that she would go up against that again and again and again, because what you see, it's almost violent, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's hard to imagine how anyone could have withstood that. And she kept the doing it. And and I will say she kept doing it until, you know, until she couldn't anymore, until she became ill and couldn't do it anymore as much as she could, because I think she really did have compassion for people. She really saw the way that people's lives were being harmed and um and made less happy by patriarchal structures both yes. men and women and she really she really held on to a belief that things could be made better and she also connected it to politics and believed in democracy so she understood that if we were going down a road where people were unhappy and being shoved into little boxes and weren't feeling like they were able to speak their truths we were going down the path of an illiberal society. And she even yeah. went so far as to say she believed it would end up in authoritarianism. So I do feel like it's a really urgent moment for this conversation to be opened up right now. Absolutely. I mean, you just nailed it for me. I was watching this and I kept thinking, my God, this was a ministry for her. I hope no one's offended by me making it seem spiritual in nature. But this was a selfless ministry of hers where she was willing to suffer all this abuse from troglodytes because, well, as she said it herself, the reason I've been attacked so much is because I connect sex to politics. And you've talked about how this guilt and shame and fear that have been weaponized in conversations and discourse around sexuality and how it further represses people's rights in the political sphere. You've really made a movie about how the personal is political and we're so repressive, you can't talk about women's sexuality without being political, can you? No, and I think, you know, I think that in, in as much as she was standing up against that by talking about sexuality what was interesting in looking back at her was to see how much her own just her own expression of herself um was also such a deeply radical act and that i think was people were incapable of recognizing at the time but now looking back and this is why i love making historical documentaries you know people can accept that so i've had a lot of 
you know, young trans people coming up to me and saying that just the way she um, refused to not dress like she wanted to dress and and be who she wanted to be um, felt really inspirational to them. And I think I think it's so important to go back and and revisit these stories of iconoclastic people, especially the ones that, of course, have been forgotten about, which happens over and over and over and over again, because you know, it's, it's heartening. I mean, look at the change she was able to make by doing that. You know, if the repressive culture is trying to keep people from doing that, then I think we need to see the impact of people doing it. And also the kind of joy and play and creativity that Cher and her, her friends, you know, who helped her with her work all um, experienced in doing that. In fact, this weekend, Almost everybody who's featured in the film, who is a friend of Cher's, minus a couple of people who lived in far-flung places, all gathered at Janet Wolf, the uh, sex therapist's apartment. Who She's one of the people featured in the film. They mm-hmm. were all people who knew her at different times in her life, um, who tell the story in the film, but they didn't know each other. But they all met at a Doc NYC screening, and they all had so much fun talking, they wanted to continue the conversation. So they're all now... <laughs> you know, becoming friends and reliving that moment. And I I wanted to gift us back that story too, not just in a way that's like, look at this amazing person and what happened to her and isn't that awful, but but look at this amazing thing that this movement and these people were able to do because that's yeah. the only way we're going to, you know, get past this. Well, that's one of my favorite elements about your film as well is the footage from back in the 70s and the 80s of these feminist collectives. And I'll just say there is newsreel footage here that you do not see ever anywhere in any capacity. And then you track down so many of her colleagues and and peers at the time uh, for some wonderful interviews. But I have to tell you, the one thing all of these feminist icons have in common is I bet none of them in the 1970s ever went to kiss concerts and yet you have in this interview (laughs) this is this is the most feminist film in history to feature an interview with gene simmons of kiss i i gotta tell you for for cultural figures i expected to see in this movie i did not expect gene simmons to show up in the most feminist political release of the year i didn't know they'd been neighbors how did this come to be and, and how did you go about pursuing this interview well, you know, I mean, it was so much fun to research this story. You know, there were just surprises were coming all the time. And we were desperately trying to get into her, like, fabulous palatial Fifth Avenue apartment that she bought with the proceeds of the Height Report so we could show it because it's this basically opulent New York palace, you know, um, that yeah. she, she was living in. And she decorated it like a palace. And we had heard so many kind of legendary stories about it. So... In our quest to find someone that we might know who could prevail upon the owners of the building to give us access to it, we looked at the real estate records and we discovered that Donna Summer lived next door to her and Jean Simmons <laughs> lived next <laughs> So um, that was really exciting. And we just thought, you know, I wonder if they knew each other. I wonder I wonder if he would speak with her. So through a mutual connection to him, we we reached out and you know, kind of amazingly, he said, I, I love Cher Hyde. I'd be happy to talk about her. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he said he would give us 15 minutes, but he ended up giving us an hour. Um, and uh, we had a great conversation. I mean, I, yeah. I think she brings out a contemplative and questioning and um, intellectual, you know, seriously side of people. And I thought what he said, you know, about New York City, his perception of her as being a person from a small town who came to New York and was kind of like 
surfing and imbibing like all these different cultures and all these different experiences, you know, that that was a really big part of what enabled her to create herself as this sort of amazing iconoclastic person I thought was really true and beautiful and something that I was hoping to capture in the film. It was a great conversation with him, you know? Yeah. I, it was, it's wonderful. I, I, I will now view Gene Simmons as much more of a women's rights icon than I have my entire life. Also, I mentioned at the top of the film, you have Dakota Johnson narrating uh, Shear's words from her actual journals. How did you come to realize that uh, Shear Height herself could be a narrator? Were the were the journals always available to you? Yeah, it was those writings in the Harvard archive, you know, the scraps of paper where she was kind of constantly throughout her journey, writing and rewriting kind of like little bits of her autobiography, you know. Um, so we we were able to find like what she was thinking about working as a nude model as she was doing it yeah. and how her feminist awakening was happening and how she was responding to the attacks in the media, you know what she tried to do to sustain herself and how she tried to think about, you know, how to get beyond this. All of that was there, you know, contemporaneous yeah. with the moment that it was happening. And so that was exciting to us in terms of, you know, weaving her inner voice through because we really did want to make, put you on an immersive ride through her story from her own point of view. Yes. And so, you know, Dakota Johnson seemed like a perfect fit because not only does she have this incredible combination of sort of softness and femininity with intellect and steeliness, but, you know, she's an incredible actress and I was really excited about what her voice might sound like. But I also knew she herself has dealt with, you know, if you attach yourself to anything having to do with sexuality, you end up in trouble in this culture, yeah. you know? Um, so I thought she would relate to that. And she herself has uh, been really outspoken about, advocating for female sexual health and wellness. And she's the co-creative director of a company called Mod that sells intimacy products. And I just thought it would resonate. And she, yeah. not only did it resonate, but she called back and said, oh, I love Cher Height. She's like a hero of mine. And, you know, if I could have dinner with her tomorrow, I would. And um, it was it was just a, a really wonderful collaboration with her. Well, Sheer Height famously renounced her American citizenship in 1995 and spent much of the rest of her life trying to get her works published in the States, which proved rather difficult. She died in 2020 of uh, corticobasal degeneration, which is just about the most horrible thing a person can die of. But um, I was very curious what you learned about her final years and decades living abroad. Did you feel that her leaving the States was in a way a symbol of this very kind of puritanical control that she was trying to combat and escape. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's, I think that's the main reason she left. I mean, that that is the reason yeah. she left. She, she couldn't express herself. She couldn't live her life. She was getting death threats. People were, you know, putting her address out in the media and people were coming and harassing her and, um, you know, leaving threatening voicemail messages for her. And um, it, it, it had truly become intolerable. You know, a person can only withstand that for so long. And she couldn't get her works published anymore in the U.S. because yeah. her reputation had been so tainted. And so, um, so in, in London, she was able to publish in, you know, she moved to Germany originally with her husband and she became a German citizen. And in Paris, she kind of, uh, you know, was able to um, establish herself as, I think, an artist, you know, working with this photographer, Iris Brosh, to take these spectacular photographs that sort of tried to try to create a new female iconography that that does combine the intellect and and the sexual. And so I, I know 
I know from her friends in Europe that they felt that she was very happy living there. Her friends in the States say that she missed the United States and at some points wanted to, you know, move back to New York. I think it it remained difficult, you know, but um, but she never stopped speaking up. She never stopped writing. She never stopped thinking. And I, I heard this very beautiful story about how at the end of her life, she was given a Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, by an organization, um, not at the end of her life, but right as she was becoming ill. And she went up on stage and it was hard for her to get up on stage. But um, but what I love knowing that she said was, I would do it all over again, you know? Wow. The Disappearance of Sheer Height is one of the best films of the year. It currently has a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I am so honored to welcome Nicole Newman to SiriusXM. Really, congratulations on the wonderful reviews your film had. And just please accept my gratitude. I am so glad you made this movie. Now my wife finally knows who I'm talking about with The Great Sheer Height. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And we'll be right back. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. Welcome back. I am so excited to be doing this segment, and I'm so excited to be here in the SiriusXM studios in the Howard Stern Tower, 273 stories above Gotham, to talk with two of the funniest people we've ever suckered into coming on this show and somehow coerced them back. You guys know uh, Miss Rachel Dratch, uh, of course, from a little web series called Saturday Night Live and her many appearances in so I mean, now pronounce you Chuck and Larry and uh, the film Wine Country and with John Oliver and uh, 30 Rock. And of course, she has a very funny, lovely role in the best movie of the year, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And Rachel Dratch had an idea. Uh, shortly after she made her Broadway stage debut last year in POTUS, or Behind Every Great Dumbass or Seven Women Trying to Keep Him Alive, for which she earned a Tony Award nomination for Best Featured Actress in a Play, she had an idea with the very twisted Irene Bremis, who you might know if you've hung around this show. Irene, who says that she's Greek, says she lives in Staten Island, and uh, has a stand-up album called Unladylike that will break up your family and marriage. <laughs> 
uh, and did the Mother May I podcast with Frank Conniff together. Together, Rachel Dratch and Irene Gremis are getting a little woo-woo, discussing stories of the unexplained, the eerie, and the otherworldly. Rachel is getting her friends to come in and tell their stories of astral projection or ghosts or aliens. And my God, it is so what a tired nation needs at this point. Welcome back, Rachel and Irene. Thank you. Yeah, hi. Thank you. Hi. That's the most talking I'm going to do. Uh, can I tell you, I so needed a podcast, Rachel, that wasn't about politics, oh, that yeah. wasn't about how much we all hate each other, something that right. was just fun and eerie and this entertaining. What what was it that inspired you to finally do a podcast, but to do it about spooky stuff? Okay, so I wasn't even thinking, you know, I want to do a podcast. I was just realizing that my favorite stories when you'd sit around with friends is when people would start telling their weird either ghost stories or psychic predictions or whatever things that came true like all that I was just really into that and then I, I started to realize that over the years I had heard a bunch of really cool ones and then I thought why not just try this as a podcast and and then Irene had asked about doing a podcast and, and then when this topic popped into my mind it was a natural duo Irene and I went to high school together too from the same hometown not only are we both in comedy but we both grew up in the same town so um so yeah that's kind of how it all came about yeah. and then so but then I I chased down people that I knew like literally 30 years ago because like, some of the really really good stories were ones that stuck in my head for years and years and so then I would like find the person on Facebook and ask like, what's if an come. example what's a story that someone told you once because I'm the oh same way and I mean I'm, Irene I'm sure you are everyone either has a ghost or an alien or a UFO story or they heard one very compelling because right. I, yeah. I not think as good we as yours, all though, John. want to believe I think yeah I think we all yeah. have that yearning and this is religion too it's 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 yeah. not about having certainty but we all just you know want to believe so deeply that there's more than what we can just see and I think that's why we have religion because this this very human yearning to know there's more than just this right. is always going to be there. But what was something that you well, had carried with you? Like a few that sort of did that. They sort of turned on its ear my thought of, you know, well, this is it in science. Da, da, da. Like, like, um, well, okay, so on the show we have a kind of a mix of celebs and actors that I know and then people that have, were just friends of mine from way back when. And so there's two that stand out. One is um, the episode, this woman named Tara, who had this time travel story. Mm -hmm. And it's almost, I mean, I don't mean to say like, go listen to the podcast, but it's just better <laughs> if I don't try to <laughs> recount it here. But she had a dream where she saw her dad when he was a teen. And then it kind of goes from there. Like he remembered seeing this person it's like it's almost gets corroborated right. it's really eerie and then the other one is this a friend of mine craig chester who's an actor and he had this very oh, funny story i love him he was my favorite this guy that yeah. he used to give a ride to back when they, they were like I, a, I wanted to ask you about craig chester's episode yeah. yes yeah. please yeah okay so <laughs> so craig used to give a, a carpool back in the day to this rehearsal this was in like 1986 this guy that said he could astral project astral projection and, astral projection. Astral and projection. craig had never heard of it you know he was he was like what are you talking about and this guy said he could leave his body uh, and travel and go, Traveling. And travel non-physically. Yes. yes. And at first it starts out that he's going to Chicago and Paris and then he goes to another planet. Uh -huh. And but then the weird like if you just listen like again like I'm not trying to be like go listen to the ending but it just gets very strange and and I want to say 
corroborated. Yes, in my corroborated. Mind. Yes, in my mind. Yes. Really? Because you because seem- he sees things that were later after he told Craig the story. Mm-hmm. He reports about things that were later found. By NASA, and oh. I know now I sound like tinfoil right. person. Like they were found by NASA years later. No, but, that's the cool part. But of it. it's yeah, exactly. So then those stories are like what you know. But then there's other things like when we have. Sometimes we have famous people on. Like so, so they ha- might, hang they, on a second. I gotta yeah, rewind okay, this because yeah, I'm still hung up on yes. the astral projection. Because at first I'm like, what Van Morrison record was that? By the way, and then like like is that what Luke Skywalker did in the Last Jedi? But like, my question is, did a story like that? about a guy who can leave his body and travel and go through the universe. It, it sounds like it swayed you. It sounds like it was convincing to you. It it did, by the way that the story unfolds. Yeah, and yes. I know, like, and also the other thing is when I was doing this, I'm not like, I'm not like Dan Aykroyd with the ghostometer. I, I, don't, even, I don't even mean ghostbuster. I mean literal Dan Aykroyd, who I yeah. admire greatly. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He's, he's a believer. He's a woo-woo into, believer. Yeah. He's got a side like, he has, like, He has like the machines. Right? I'm, I'm not oh, yeah. that person. Yeah. I We always say like yeah. total grain of salt. Like, I mean, sometimes no, we hear Dan stories. invests in hardware no, that has no patent. You know what yes, I mean? Exactly. He's like into this ghostbuster. He's literally a ghostbuster. He believes this stuff. He's woo-woo 100%. Right. Yeah. And so I'm, we always have these little disclaimers like, okay, we know this could be explained by other yeah. things, blah, blah, blah. But there's a few stories that I don't know. I don't know how you I mean, Craig them. Chester's really sold me. And, and yeah. you'll never look at Lobster the same way That's again. That's true. the other thing. I That's mean, true. his, his, his I mean, story you, what, what, what is your background here? Because are you a... It seems like you have to be a skeptic no matter how bad you want to believe. And I right. think it's when our charming, tragic loved ones on Facebook... Uh, want to believe more than their skeptics that it gets kind of dodgy right, there right. and like like not to be political but you know I've learned a lot in the last year how the white supremacists are always recruiting people from these flat earth movements or ghosts oh, or right. alien like they look for fringe really? types okay you just turned up we're look, trying to oh, I know the flat earth show. but we're I didn't to, know the white nationalists look for what? people on the fringes oh, of wow. society because they're looking to increase their numbers so right. like the flat earthers like half of that is because oh, yeah. Nazis oh. go looking for new friends there <gasps> okay, trying to see if people so no so what I'm saying is it's out there and people want to believe but you Irene have always struck me as someone who would you know stab a psychic in the neck with a pen you know I would and I almost did but that's another podcast (laughs) not going to go into it she got a bad reading coming into this I know you did it for fun but did you do you believe there's John you know aliens or Bigfoots you know in fact we did that podcast too the Bigfoot podcast it was a lot of fun but every decision I make in life is predicated on astrology I'm just kidding not every (laughs) (laughs) Irene 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 is into astrology. I am though. into astrology. I find some, uh, like, I, I know I you're am. a Virgo and you would never yes. have to tell me you're a Virgo. Okay, I've had oh. some. Oh, really? <laughs> Rachel. I mean, oh, there Rachel. you go. Now you sound like LA. I'm a Taurus, but not time. really a Taurus. Okay, but here's the thing I feel like there's definitely something out there um i've experienced certain things that are inexplicable um a lot of my premonitions come in in forms of dreaming like uh joseph the dreamer yes i know a little something about the bible too the bible character that's right okay uh so i i definitely feel like there's something out there but like like rachel said when we do this podcast we definitely go in with a little bit of you know you know (laughs) we do have laughs we We have a lot we have all we do is laugh the whole time i know i've added 10 years i'm I mean, where, where do I sign up? Hanging out with Honestly, Dratch? Honestly, I'm telling everyone, like, pal, this podcast, and again, it's woo-woo with Rachel Dratch, this podcast so is great. such a healthy break for your it brain. It 
Mediterranean. It really is. From the end of it's civilization. And people love to <laughs> yes. talk about their experiences because they also need to decompress. And sometimes, I know Rachel was about to say this, Rachel, when we had one of our guests talk, and some of them are really just completely rootless. Like, I saw a pigeon outside, and hello, Uncle Joe, is that you? You know, and we, we, we have to, you know, call that. Well, we didn't call that one out. That's the problem. Sometimes we're, we didn't call that one out. We should have. Well, yeah. 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 It wasn't a pigeon, though. It was a real bird. We did. It was okay, a real anyways, bird. Anyways, this yeah. doesn't make sense to the yeah. listening audience. Um, right. So, um, but wait, what yeah. was the question? The question is, um, do I believe? And yeah. I do believe. I believe in certain aspects, but there's certain things that I don't believe. I think, like, uh... Astro okay. projection, oh. as much as I believe, I'm, I'm a little bit on the fence of, with astro projection, although Craig Chester's story was very compelling, I have to say. Right. And but like we, Ouija boards. Ouija I mean, you boards? did a whole episode I'm afraid. I wouldn't even boards, use the right? Ouija board. Uh, Rachel brought up. We had a few Ouija board, cool Ouija board stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we do. But, but then I will say we tried to recreate it for the podcast and it was just going like gobbledygook. So, yeah. Yeah, so, but that was weird because for the listeners. We're under we pressure. Can, yeah. But um, anyway, no, there's been a few Ouija board crazy stories. There's one on the Michael Thomas episode where the Ouija board <gasps> gave a name and a phone number oh for someone gosh, they were I looking for. Are that. you yes. serious? Yes. And was it legit? Yes. Yes. I spent a lot of time yes. in my early 20s with friends in a Ouija board looking for lotto numbers. I mean, oh. I, I like. there's no reason to assume even if it is a ghost, they can see the future or guess a phone number. I, I right. know. It's too weird. I know. It, but it really was? like the y- Yeah. I it's, mean, it's a yeah. whole story. They were trying to find someone's it, it, that, birth, I forgot about mother. that one, Rachel. Yeah. You're absolutely right. That was a very specific phone number. Yeah. Okay. But sometimes, yeah. like, when we have, like, if we want to have a big star on or something, they might not have, like, this amazing story, but then they'll just tell, like... Their little weird story. <laughs> like, like there was a thump behind the wall, sweetie. Well, like yeah. you just had Tina Fey on talking about the ghosts of oh, yeah. Cape May. Ooh, and yes. I mean, yeah. that seemed like a, I mean, just to get her doing it in the accent was, was hilarious. pretty nice. I know. Yeah. What, what, for those who haven't heard the episode, it's the most recent one. Most what is recent, what yeah. is Tina's essential story so about it's what funny she experienced? Because Tina, to me, is, is very like feet on the ground, like rational. Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. think she was even going to have... Oh, a go- and then she surprised me and said she has a ghost story because Cape May, which is supposed to be really haunted. Well, of course, as we yeah. learned, every town says they're really haunted and has a ghost. <laughs> story. But she did have some ghostly occurrences there. Yeah. Like her bed moving and she thought it was her daughter pushing the bed. And then she got up and like that, her daughter was nowhere near. So she, she had a few kind of fun little. Yeah. Yeah. Little yes. stories like I that. love that. I mean, I, I, I was talking with you guys when I did your show about when I moved up to Harlem and discovered that our place is haunted. Right. Uh, and, and like, like I came home the first week and all of the kitchen cupboards were open. <gasps> and then we have this door in the house that like I got up the other morning. And I'm like, why is it Arctic cold in this house? And went upstairs and this door in, in the office that we lock every night that leads outside just open. Locked at nighttime open in the day mm, and wow. so many times I have this door that someone keeps opening when I'm not around I, I honestly like, don't it, know what I would do if I walked into the kitchen I know I'm supposed to enjoy it because Rachel and I joke that I'm not enjoying these experiences as much but I find them frightful and if I walked into a kitchen with all the cupboard doors open I would literally soil myself I really? would have a heart attack I just do you don't find know what I would do frightful Rachel or fun no. I find yes. it totally no. fun no, she doesn't. I ain't afraid of no ghosts no the both of you are very um, you know oh, we, did, we do have a scary ghost story too coming up with a, with a creepy story, Who's, but who, can you give us a preview? Um, well, her name is Liz Kakowski, and oh. she she was haunted at the age when she was um, fifteen. This like evil presence would come visit her every night, and then and the next day 
she would kind of just forget about it and go about her school day. And then at night when she was going back to sleep, she would... Rem- it was just weird. It had this like weird men in black memory erase. Really? Uh, oh, fa- yes. Like extra feature to the And was it like a physical experience she had or just a... Like- it was just like terror. And then there's a twisteroo in this one that is amazing. Right. But I don't, I don't want to ruin it here. Okay, yeah, no, we it. can't talk about it. You must I know, tune I in. I don't mean to be dangling no breadcrumbs, but I will ruin... It would be much better if you just yeah. listen to that one because it has a twisteroo that makes it very cool. Yeah. Were, were you raised um, with any kind of uh, no. spirituality? Oh, spirituality. Spirit- yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not no, even I'm raised to believe in ghosts. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to start um, with I'm, that. I'm, yeah, I'm just you're... reformed Jewish. You know, yeah. we didn't have ghostly. As a matter of fact, like, well, my dad's no longer with us, although maybe he, he is. is. But he no, is. but mm-hmm. but he would be like, what are you like? I mean, yeah. he's a scientist. You know, like he would mm-hmm. not be like. That's why I think there's a part of me like I don't really believe this, but then I hear all these crazy stories and then and it's just fun to talk about it's fun it is so much fun and we've noticed that a lot of the guests that come on they'll be like well i don't know and then they'll have like several stories or a few stories like they're you know or they're more woo woo than than they thought or we even thought like when they get on the show they have all these experiences and 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 some people just talk about like amy poehler came on she's very skeptical right but but she ended up talking about you know manifesting and And crystals and enneagrams so there's all there's a lot of categories of yeah, it doesn't I, have to be any, ghosts. Any, any, like like just anything that would make someone go oh exactly yeah. something yeah. that makes you a little embarrassed. So like gro- yeah. growing up, did you? I'm, I'm fascinated by this. Did you oh. believe in ghosts or no. aliens or no? I astrology? think I was just. I think well, I'm a Pisces, and so that's right. Triple, triple, triple so, Pisces. No, so I feel you are I feel Pisces. okay. Yes, I am. Back but it up. I, I, I feel like I'm really oh, okay. You know what I'm really into? Intuition and vibes, Me too. and like picking up on people. I mean, that's why like being an actor. She whatever. is actually, but not all actors have that. So please don't say that's. A, she, you are very intuitive. I think you're very intuitive. Well, you have to be to so be a good a, artist and to read so the room. But so as yeah. a kid, I'm. I was really fat. You know, all those little books you'd read when you're in junior high, whatever. Like. The witch girls. Like, I mean, that's not a real book, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, it's like, like the whole like witchy, intuitive, like psychic. Like, oh, that'd be really cool to be psychic, giving little tests with your friends. So, uh-huh. I was always into that stuff. Yeah. But no, I'm not like I wasn't like I believe in ghosts and aliens and all that. I, I feel pretty rational. But right. that's why these stories have an extra effect on me because I think I am rational. Right. I, I think say, I'm rational. You're a triple. I live with two Pisces, oh, and, really? and my yep. wife and Charmy. my child are both Charmy. both <gasps> fish. And I'll tell you something. I. I I buy He's it. He's a Pisces too. Oh, your yeah. son? I didn't realize. Oh, yeah. Are they wow. like chaotic and messy and um, not scheduled? He is. She's not. Okay. But right. you know, she's flighty in other ways. Okay. I mean, yes. what what I've learned about it is there's healthy Pisces and unhealthy Pisces. Right. Healthy Virgo think, and unhealthy yes, Virgo. Yes, there's healthy and. But unhealthy honestly, signs. like for me with astrology, like as a kid, you you read horoscopes. But then when we lived in L.A., my wife got so into it. Oh so really? My wife Which is why I love her. Charts. My no, wife will read your tarot cards. My wife does palmistry. She got so into all of this stuff. Whoa. And I found that astrology, whatever you think of it, has pretty much the same accuracy rate as most of the world's great religions. Your horoscope is about as right as your priest mm-hmm. most of the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you really believe it, right? Now, no, listen, do you, sometimes I just... Or is it fun I, Okay, for I've you? had is a lot fun? of misses with Rachel, so I just want to lead in with that. But um, normally, I am very good at, you know, deciphering 
what sign somebody is. And if I get it wrong, in my defense, they may have that as a rising, whatever sign I guess is a rising really? or a moon. I'm not saying that I'm like a No, I've seen quite the contrary in Irene. I'm gonna I, I have to chime in. I've seen Irene meet people and she goes, Let me guess, you're a Taurus. And they're like, No. And then she's a Scorpio and they're like, No. And then she's like, Okay, I got your Capricorn. And they're like, No. And then and then it's like, I've seen it again with Irene. Okay, but it's yeah, like our kind of true. our running joke. It's our running so joke. So I can't really say this. I have the I have some cojones saying this in front of Drach after my track but, record. But, but Irene does yeah. know what the sign are so characteristic they're supposed to have. Now, with astrology, I have this thing of like, so I'm a Pisces, so I see the things that I am, but let's say I were whatever, Aries, maybe I would just identify, like, that's why, maybe you would just identify. That's why most people have rising signs and moon signs to cheat. Like, I can say I'm a Gemini moon and I'm a Sag Sag rising. Oh, but you are such a Sag rising. Gemini moon. stop it. Now, that is just the most L.A. thing I've ever heard someone say. No, you really are. You're very social, philosophical, and hilarious. You're wonderful. Rising is how other people perceive you, right? I know, yeah. No, but that's what, well, your rising sign is how the rest of the world. Don't act like you're a stranger to this shit. We've had many in-depth conversations about your belief in astrology, okay? I don't know if it's a belief. I'm asking okay. a serious question because yes. my belief in astrology is that anything that gets people talking about their habits mm, and the right. patterns they keep yes. repeating in their yeah, life to try good. to unfuck themselves and think a different yes. way like that has value to me so I don't right. I don't need to believe in the stars yeah. as having literal value. value George Carlin said you know when you want to think about the impact of the gravity pulls of the planets the moment you're born don't the people in the delivery room have a bigger gravitational pull on a baby than a planet two million miles away like carla's like why isn't the anesthesiologist influencing what your belief system is you know like i i I don't really get the science of the planets but a lot of people i respect do and yeah it gets very woo woo i mean horoscopes are one thing but like people who plan their nancy reagan planned foreign policy i mean nancy reagan planned her husband's foreign policy around the horoscopes right right I like what you said, too, about I never thought about that perspective about like actually reading and adapting those characteristics. Well, I mean, that is like it could all be BS because then you would just see, oh, well, I have this, this and this. Right. So I'm a typical Capricorn, even though whatever. I don't know. Right. We don't know. I don't know. We'll never know. Well, we have to take a very quick break. Can you guys hang out for one more segment? I have so many questions. You know it's And I want to get to Enneagrams and Bigfoots. We'll be right back with Rachel (laughs) Dratch and Irene (laughs) Grimace on Serious XM. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
Welcome back. I'm John Fugelsang. This is Sirius XM, and we are talking about my favorite new mental health and wellness podcast, <laughs> Woo Woo with Rachel Dratch. Now, hang on a second. Are they talking about crystals and gluten-free here? No, they're not. But my brain needs something crystals. fun. Sometimes crystals. We have our yes. And honestly, like, so much of our life now is politics with this show on this channel. Yeah. So, to like, I this show is so fun to me when I was listening to your episodes, Rach, mm-hmm. because it honestly, it, it is a break from all of this. And I do yes. think that there's a few things that unite us. Music unites us, food unites us, uh, sports in some cases, and a fascination with ghostly shit. <laughs> exactly. Right? Like right. this breaks down barriers. It does. Have you had any guests who've shared stories with you that converted you to thinking a different way? Well, I mean, the I guess the, those are the people whose stories converted me that, that I kind of chased down because I remembered right. that. So I have. Well, I don't think we've had anyone who's like surprised us with this earth-shattering thing, right? Have we? Because we already knew. We yeah. We, but, we pretty much knew. I thought your story was pretty compelling, but we're not going to give anything away. No, oh, right. I mean, I, oh my I gosh. Yeah. You came on. We yeah. didn't know what you were going to talk about. You talked about seeing. UFOs, basically. Right. Yeah. Seeing lights in the sky Bigfoot in South America podcast. that I cannot explain. Oh, yeah. and this yeah. is so funny. So, Go ahead. so yeah. the, literally the next day yeah. after you came up, because you were in Peru when you saw these lights, yeah. there was an article that I sent Irene, and it was about yeah. that, you know, what a supposed alien life body that was in Mexico that was right. stolen from Peru. That's oh, right. Right. And the I was like, day, Peru, I forgot about that's that. Alien Central. Oh my god. Now gosh. that I've talked to Google. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about, I forgot about that. The very next day she sent me that article, but we also did a podcast. The Bigfoot podcast, I think that's Bigfoot what it's called. Bigfoot Collectors where, Club. Co- collectors, where they talked about um, seeing the UFOs. black triangle, yeah, the black triangle. That's right. right. Yes, the black triangle right. in the sky in, yes. in uh, yep. Nuremberg, Germany, in fifteen sixty six. Okay, well, then there, I was, think. Yeah. there was another one. That that's we, a true story. By the way, that's a story. Yeah. 15, no, fifteen hundred. I mean, like yeah. Nuremberg, uh, hundreds of people said no. There were ships fighting mm-hmm. in the sky in a giant black triangle, and like everyone in the town had the same exact story. So uh, they told ago. us that there was that's another thing like that yeah. in Illinois in nineteen eighty. Two or something. I but don't know. No one noticed. St. Charles, Illinois. That was also St. Charles. I'm probably getting that wrong. Shoot. Oh, well. Sorry, geography. Okay. Um. Anyway, <laughs> somewhere not in Chicago. <laughs> um, but in any uh-huh. case, a bunch of different witnesses to a big, like, triangular ship that made no sound. Really. And it yeah. was right after. So and so now that I've talked to you and heard your story. Uh, yeah. I'm, yeah. We we discussed that just the other day. Yep. Like I, think I, I guess said I the... am Dan Aykroyd now. Well, you know, or you're whoever. you're, you're I mean, maybe you better, going to you better, I'd love to hear you get Aykroyd to talk about some of this stuff. Oh my because God. I'd love to get him on our pod. He's made Sweetie, it such a do second it. Make career it for Make it himself to chase this yeah, stuff maybe down. Maybe I could. I mean, yeah. let me ask you, the Enneagram. I was surprised that you oh, yeah. covered that. Oh, Amy well, Poehler and her Poehler's, Enneagram. Poehler's yeah. very into yeah. it. And I love it. I and love the Enneagram. Actually, I think it's fascinating. And that's actually not as woo-woo. Like, that's more like that. Yeah. I think people use that in work settings. It's based like on Jungian studies Is of it? personality types See, and the notion that research. there's... Oh, listen. My, what, no, what number are you? Are you a one? I married a California person. I had to learn all of this stuff. And my wife got my mom so into astrology, got my mom so... My mom, the ex-nun, who was a nurse, who was both an ex-nun yet very skeptical of supernatural things <laughs> and my wife got her into Ouija boards and all of this uh-huh. stuff but in the Enneagram it's based on a Jungian personality types uh, there's like eight I think or nine, nine. basic nine. types mm-hmm. yeah. and it's a wheel and I'm a four my wife's a seven and I'll tell you something of all the woo woo stuff I've ever encountered 
the Enneagram was like, I was living in LA in the late 90s getting into this stuff and it was like, wow. oh my God, someone's read my it. journals. Wow. Like I have never, I've really? never been so convinced by something because they would say, here's how a four and a seven yes. get along. And it's like, oh my wow. God, this is my marriage. How did you Whoa. know this about me? Wow. So, That's cool. Yeah, but you're right. It's not based on anything overtly woo-woo. It's based yeah, on no. psychology that, and personality Yeah, studies. I think that one is a little more, you know, feet on the ground again. Feet on the ground. Term. Because, but but yeah. Polar, our other friend, Rachel Hamilton, we always get together and they're so into it that yeah. like as I said on the in her episode like we were on a vacation together and like you know the, literally like they were talking about it so much that like the UPS guy came to deliver a package and I was imagining that they were gonna be like, oh he's definitely an eight because they were <laughs> that's, their, that's their lens for oh, everybody so true so um but Polar knows a lot about it yeah I guess she I'm really a did. nine yeah uh, you just, so there's a test up. that you well, take I'm a you nine are with you an eight wing a I'm a nine with an eight wing that's oh. the other thing like throughout oh, the course of your wings, life they yes. believe that through the course of your life you go through all the different personalities oh, at oh. some point yeah. I'm a oh, two with that. one wing, I think. I don't know my but wing. You're, you're a, I don't know you're, my wing. I'm a you, nine. You're but a nine. there's a test that you take. So anyone, yeah. can you can go you online. Can online. Some of them are free. Some, yeah, some of them are 30 know. bucks. But in any case, they ask you a series of questions. <laughs> like an example would be, do you care more about relationships or career? Right? It's something like that. Like very... But they they cover a whole wide range right, of things. Right, right, right. And then in the end, you get your little profile. Right, you get and... your little profile. But you are such a nine. You're a peacemaker. You are like a, a, peacemaker. a peacemaker. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, you I... are. She always tries to keep peace. No, you definitely well, I'm a And that two. is such a Pisces thing. It is, yeah. it is it a really Pisces, is Pisces thing. Pisces. But, um, but no, like I said, I think, you know, even some workplaces use the Enneagram. You yeah. Know? Oh, some yeah, of them are like, of yeah. Open, well, open I feel like that's workplace. terrible if they're just predicating on Enneagram because then I would get screwed. It would be like, can you get me my coffee and also get me two sugars and then go to the store and get me a sandwich because, because I'm the helper. the helper. Yeah, <laughs> she's exactly. the helper. Exactly. But I mean, somebody who's like a one with a, like leadership qualities, they'd be like, for someone like you, know like you understanding the Enneagram the gives you a whole new way yeah. to manipulate people. So yeah, keep that exactly. in mind that's too. True. That comes in handy. I, well, I didn't think about it, but being a four. I'm that's very good advice. Four yeah. is four is the the tragic romantic or the artist, oh. and I'm like, yeah, all right, that's that's wow. what my therapist says. Wow, that's so glamorous. I'm, I'm just the helper. <laughs> Two scoops of sugar or just one? <laughs> Can I ask about our friend uh, Anna Gasteyer's appearance? Because that was actually to me interesting that you guys talked about reading the room and energy work and and intuition. Well, so Anna. Oh, so this is so funny. Okay, so Anna did the show Celebrity Ghost Stories, which was on several years ago. Yes. And we had this running joke because back Celebrity Ghost Stories used to pay $5,000 to appear on it. And so what I was like, wait, Anna, did you really see a ghost? And she was like, for $5,000 I did. So, <laughs> so then I was like, like Anna's ghost story, it wasn't, I never even really understood. Even yeah. in our episode, did she really see a ghost? Wait, I don't did know. did she see a but ghost? But then she yeah. dropped this little side story on that was right. like, the, that, that was, was the main course, yeah. is yep, the yep, thing yep. she said in passing. Which is, she told this story about how, when she was like first with her husband, like they were looking for an apart apartment, a house in LA yeah. to rent, house. and he found this great little house, mm. and so he's like yeah. already put the deposit on it. She was just coming to look at it, and she walks in. It was there was it was an empty house. There was no furniture or anything, and she was like, "I can't. I don't. I don't get vibes on this house. I cannot live here." And he was like, "What?" Because they it was sort of the beginning, and she didn't like. He's really? like, "Vibes, come on! I put the yeah. deposit down." Yeah, and then she said, "No, I cannot. I cannot live in this house." And it was like a I whole believe thing. That. Like, I believe that. Yeah, I, I, well, yeah. I believe in that I was, too. I was like. And then she goes, and then I was like, what happened? Literally found out there had been a murder-suicide in the yes. house. Yes, oh. see? Okay. I'm t I believe in energy I do too. being left behind. And then okay. they yes. got their deposit Stained. back. Yeah. 
And I don't know how wow. she found that, by the way. I think this is even... Maybe even pre internet. Well, but because even... he was supposed to legally, they're they're um, they're supposed to You're tell supposed you, to yeah, disclose, that, disclose that information. Yeah. yeah. So then they got their money back. They got their money but back. Isn't right. that crazy? Like Murder the house suicide. Is built like, over Indian burial ground. You're supposed to tell <laughs> right. the people, right? Yeah. But that I was like, "There's your main story, Anna." <laughs> but I believe that. You know, I mean, like, I, I believe in that kind of animal instinct. I mean, I yeah. think yeah. humans lost yeah. a lot when we learned to speak because there's a lot of stuff that Ooh. probably we we would have picked up on <gasps> wow, the way dogs amazing. and cats do. Wow, that's brilliant. I never thought. Okay, that is so. Insightful. Because then you would just have to read wow. faces That's and grunts. Right. We all are women. <laughs> You're smarter. Pretty face, John. You guys are smarter than men. You know how very often you have to trust your intuition because you just you just know well, sometimes. That, that's off for me. Oh, you know what I God, said about that's intuition? That's off for me too. No, yeah. but... <laughs> when I went rogue with the birds. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot. Yeah, Just take the compliment, all right? I am joined by uh, Rachel Dratch and Irene Bremis, who are the, uh, the co-hosts of the wonderful new podcast, Woo Woo, with Rachel Dratch. You have your own ghost story. Oh, I do. That you yeah. shared on an episode. It's actually a very good, it's one of my favorite it, ones, Rachel. Now sharing it ad nauseum, it seems. <laughs> Was it something you were scared to share? Because like that UFO story that I told you when I came on, yeah. my former manager... Uh, who I loved very much at at Brillstein spent 10 years making me promise to never tell that story. He thought I'd never get work again if I told my South America UFO story. Well, I guess I do not want to be thought of as the ghost lady, you know? So, so, but here I am telling it again. But like, you know, whatever. I don't don't walk around like, I know there's ghosts, but this weird thing did happen to me. Mm -hmm. It's the only time that it happened. So I'm not someone that's like, and I see someone in the corner right now. I'm not Right, right. Exactly. Like a thousand disclaimers. Which gives it more credence. I'm it's not a like, rational yes. human being, right. damn it. By the way, that's Jake in the corner. He's producing the segment. That's he's actually here. He's just I very can pale. We'll see. He's so yeah. lifelike. Um, <laughs> no, I was in a hotel in LA. <laughs> here I go again. Oh, okay. here we go. Press, it's a good one, press, though. I can listen to it over and over. Again. Let's do this. Um, no, LA hotels a, and ghosts. I was ghosts. in a hotel in LA, but it wasn't a creepy old hotel. Yeah. It was like kind of an 80s hotel, which whose is creepy name in shall itself. remain yes. nameless. But um, but anyway, and then and I was staying there for a month doing this movie and like right after I fell asleep one night I wake up and I see in quotation marks I see two guys standing in the corner of the room they were of another time they were like I could see the colors of their suits and I blinked I like you know you blink hard because you think it's that thing where like oh is that a coat or is that a person you know that right, thing everybody right, has yeah, right. and that's never it's just always a coat okay right, so something but I blinked like nope they were still there and they were in this like old time well they were like from the 40s or 50s they had like skinny suits on and one was sort of a green hue and one was like a pink hue and she never deviates from the colors of the story and that's why it's very believable but they had they look kind of like john waters right okay yeah very far i this is the part where i sound extra cuckoo i just got this sense that they were a couple on the down low (laughs) okay like i just got this feeling that it was like they were in this time where you couldn't be out and that they were but, a couple. Which, which part of LA was this hotel? Right? Yeah. Because you're so it was, upset, yeah. it was in West Hollywood. It was in West Hollywood. Yeah. Okay. West Hollywood, exactly. <laughs> Hello. Also a very it really was in West Hollywood. observation. But yes. they were from another time. So anyway, so then and, I was and just. Did they want brunch? I'm just curious. <laughs> okay. Don't ask for brunch. Okay. But then what would happen is I would I saw them a bunch when I was doing this. Like they uh-huh. came back. Maybe four or five times. Because they total. felt safe with you. They felt safe with me, my fan base. But anyway, 
And that, but it got. I didn't feel scared by them. This, yeah. I, I, now I sound even when I hear no, myself. No, I get You it. do not. Okay. But that's I, the story I told when I when I okay. had my experience on the Queen Mary. I'm not right. scared of it. I okay. ain't afraid of no ghosts. I, I, I said to the thing rapping on the wall. I'm like, look, we're here. If you want to talk to us, I'd love to hear from you. Not right. afraid of you. Not your enemy. Tell us what you want us to know. Like I think, if you think well, you have a ghost, that, just but, talk. To I them. have to adapt. But some then of this. I did say yes. out loud because they like it would disturb my sleep, but. They weren't scary, but one night I had a really early call time, like 5 a.m., and I was like, actually like, in this room by myself, like, you guys, um, I have to wake up really early tomorrow, so please do not show up tonight, okay? No wake-up calls. And they calls. didn't, actually. They, oh, didn't. they didn't. So they, wow. they See how respectful they were? Yes. It's great to have friends on the West Coast to run lines with, though, mm-hmm. before you have a that's shoot. That's true. That's, so, but wait, wait, there's a... There's a the addendum right. is, if you listen to this episode, <laughs> Rachel dropped <laughs> his own ghost story on Woo-Woo. <laughs> Later, years later, and I'm leaving out a little part of this, uh-huh. the scary part. Yeah, leave that right, part out. Right, yeah. So you have to listen for that part. Yeah. But late years later, I ran and I, I tried to Google like, is this hotel haunted? I didn't find anything. Years later, I run into someone who knows the concierge, and I was like, oh my gosh, I text her right now and ask her if it's haunted. Uh-huh. She writes back right away, yes, it's haunted. We've had many, you know, people come up to the desk yeah. and yeah. say blah blah blah, and and I said, and then I was so into this that I was like. I called her, I mean, with permission, (laughs) I called her and I said, what did people report seeing? And she said, a dapper gentleman. Wow. Dapper. Dapper gentleman. And I was, well, I'm leaving that other part out. Well, you know what? Maybe he didn't feel comfortable coming out to the other guests. Dr. Gentleman. Does dapper activate your ghost gator? Uh, I think dapper sounds like the right guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, because that sounds like an oldie. Definitely. It's like, you know, dapper sounds like someone from another time a little bit. It's an old fashioned word. So can I I ask a serious question? Yes. Um, Has has all of this, has any of this like impacted what you believe happens when we die? Do you have any thoughts on what happened when we died? That's such a good question. I mean, I really want to believe there's something, but I, there's a part of me that definitely doesn't and thinks that's it, Mm -hmm. you know. And I think that's what I was kind of going with. Right. But then I hear then these little things happen. I'm like, well, maybe we think. Sometimes I liken it to a dog. A dog thinks that like their city block is the whole world. Right. They don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That there's, and sometimes I think maybe that's what we're like. Like we think because we know this, this, and this, and maybe there's another plane. Right. That we just we can't conceive of it. A dog couldn't imagine a helicopter. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. You have to be able to have some reference to it to imagine it. Right. Right. So that's why I like these stories because this kind of mess with our solidity of belief. You know. Right. Exactly. I don't know. It could just be that's it. Irene, what do you think happens when we die? I definitely think that there's something else. I, you know, after my father died again with the dream, but this dream was so lifelike. I had. A dream after my father died that he was showing me where he lived and I was in this these green pastures and it, it literally felt like I was in another plane I mean I'm very aware when I'm dreaming no matter how wonderful or how terrible or whatever the dream is I dream a lot I'm always aware that I'm in a dream right it just felt like I was in a different plane I don't I mean I know now I sound cuckoo now I sound crazy but I literally know that I was visiting him and then something else happened that became like um a metaphor for my life later, which actually happened. Uh, he was showing me going up a mountain. I'll give you the truncated version. I was going up a mountain. He then left me. I was going up slow and steady. And, and then I got to the mountain 
and everything was closed. All the stores were closed. And years later, I think that was a premonition about COVID. Oh. Yeah. And something very poignant happened at that time, which was life altering for me in my family. So I feel like he was giving me and delivering me this message. I do believe, um, I mean, I was raised very, you know, I was raised in a Greek Orthodox church. I was always raised to believe in God. But I think being raised to believe in God doesn't necessarily make you a believer of God. Absolutely. But I've, oh, I believe in God. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not afraid to say that. So I also believe that there is something out there. But, um, you know, again, you know, I don't know how much is out there, you know? Yeah. Uh, but that's the thing. There, My dad's still ghost so much came more. to me and took yeah. me up a mountain, but it wasn't all shut down stores. It was all weed shops. Okay, good and for that you. Was well, your dad's fun. My dad's post, not fun at all. Post-COVID New York. Post-COVID. Yeah. Post-COVID. Yeah, okay, that's fun. We went from having everything shut up to everything now sells edibles okay. in the city. Um, <laughs> here's why I, I, I think I mentioned this when I came on your show. It's crazy that you launched this during the same year that the government has essentially admitted Oh. Under oath yeah. that, yeah. yes, UFOs are a real Do thing. Exist. I know. Our military really has encountered them. Our military doesn't know what they are. We they have, have footage. And then we DNA. had testimony on the House that we have technology mm-hmm. that came from aircraft we can't explain. And we have DNA. Well, there's actually a, organic physical remains of something that's not human. And right. like this was said in our Congress this year and nobody I just, said anything. The I next day thought, the story was forgotten. I right. just thought of a weird theory about this. Please. Right what? now. Okay. About how everyone ignored this, right? Yeah. And my thing that I just thought of is because there's the internet and we're used to seeing all this crazy shit every day. Right. And all these, like, if imagine if this was like back in the days when it was just the nightly news and everyone right. heard a thing. Like, if this had been delivered by right. Tom Brokaw Can you on imagine? the nightly news, yes. then people would have paid attention and right. they would have been like, it would have been the only the story right. of but the year. But now we hear all this conspiracy, blah, blah, blah. And it just kind of got ignored. Like, if you it say. happened it, in the 80s, like, everything right. would have been about UFOs for yes. five years. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and no one even, I mean, I barely even paid attention to right. that. That's I what terrifies paid, me. Well, I looked like, it up. I'm so scared the government, the show. but the government's admitting it. And, yeah. and, and everyone's like, all right, well, you know, rent's due. Like, like uh, yeah. no one cares. I know, it's they've really been gaslighting strange. so many people. I mean, credible people all these years, you know, that have come out and said that they've seen something and had yeah. testimonies, right? Like, they've had people that know what they're doing in the Air Force that have seen objects flying oh God, around. I told so many alien stories on your show, by the way. I told aliens, I told the story that Shirley MacLaine told me about the Reagan seeing a UFO on your show. Yes. Oh my I mean, gosh, I love that story. Yeah. Oh my but gosh, like, that's amazing. Is we love this Shirley. something you believe in, Rachel? Yeah. Do you? Do I don't you... spend a lot of time thinking about the alien thing. <laughs> Has it, was it something you ever? Well, unless we're about... having margaritas, uh, I'm only kidding. Uh, yeah, sweetie. Yeah, after a few margaritas, <laughs> um, um, I, I guess I imagine there has to be life on yeah. other planets, and so and then this government news. Yeah. And the, like you said, the the Air Force, like right. credible, credible people, exactly yeah. in the Air so, Force, like Navy, and you know whatever, like. Well, not I, just like me slinging a drink around, going, "I think I see something in the sky, sweetie." I mean, <laughs> I just I, listen. I'm holding out for the Yeti episode. That's what I want. I want you to get a good Bigfoot person, a good Yeti person to come on. Wow. Do you remember this show called In Search Of? When yes, Leonard Nimoy. Yes, okay. yes. I was Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy. Yes. I was thinking about that yes. all the way here because I I used to be obsessed with me that show. Me too. Great. And I used to like come to school the next day and talk about it to people like, did you see In Search Of? Me too. Like, me too. So obsessed then when with you it. say Bigfoot, I yes. just thought of that again. Yeah. In Search Of. Yeah, In um, Search Of.
I don't know if I believe in the Bigfoot, Loch Ness but, monster. No, we haven't but, had any of these stories. Yeah, we yet. haven't yeah. done monsters. Loch Ness, we haven't done monsters. Our friend, okay, so one of my friends has a podcast, Astonishing Legends, and they talk a lot about this kind of stuff. They do more like research and right. Bigfoot, and like they do a lot of the in search of, of type in search of, of stuff. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like looking for friends. Like, yeah. Remember that yeah. time you right. told me we the lights flickered? Yeah. <laughs> you come on and talk about that. Like, I swear, because I have these great stories from years gone by, but then I'm going to eventually run out of the ones I've already heard. I'm going to. Yeah. Remember that time you told me you heard the closet? Yeah. Right. Remember that leak in the faucet when you were living on that in that apartment? Exactly. But this There's is again why I love your woo woo podcast because you're not actually talking to tinfoil hat experts. You're talking to funny, entertaining That's, storytellers. Yeah, we get a lot of comedians on, so yeah. We, yeah, do we do have laughs. We do yeah. have laughs. We laugh the whole time I mean, and, and I have the laughs po- too. We not only laugh during the podcast. We literally, I'm telling you, I've never had so much fun ever it doing a podcast fun. with anybody. Aww. I leave and for hours I'm laughing still. No, I had I was kidding. I was laughing all night after I joined you guys. Oh my god. Oh, and it's just I'll say it again. It is so the podcast a weary so nation fun. needs Aww. right now. Thank um, you. Guys, thank you so much. Oh Rachel, my gosh, we love you. Gotta John. listen to John's episode, so which good. isn't out John yet, but it's Fugelsang. coming out. They'll, they'll and he tells out. his um yeah, oh yeah, you'll you'll say. Well, okay. I just I love that you're doing this. I mean, I love I look, you're so creative. I love your 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 mind, I love your wit, and I love that you're taking your talents and doing it for something like this. It's so fun. And she's Honestly, so great on the show, Rachel. Yeah. Thank you. Guys. This is so good for me. Like, like, like this politics is, is, politics is you making so me crazy. What? I needed this. This poli- this, oh, this podcast saved my Christmas. So oh, uh, it is woo woo with Rachel Dratch and the lovely Irene Bremis. Yes. Uh, Irene, so what's funny. the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep uh, up with all your at doings? Irene Bremis 13. Follow me. Damn it, please. And uh, also I've got a special dropping in February at some point in time. We okay, will promote that heavily we'll, in advance. Does your husband, that. the Republican fireman, believe any of this stuff? Why would you lead in with that? I hate you right <laughs> now. <laughs> I, I said follow me. Wait, never, what are you trying to do? Why are you gaslighting? What? Okay. Well, we'll, we'll I never, I never asked out. what Steve feels about. Okay, yeah. okay no, let's not talk about him. He's okay. a fireman. Let's just okay. focus on the fact that he saves lives. He saves lives. Except for mine. He kills me every day slowly, <laughs> like it's arsenic. <laughs> but beyond that point, uh, he um, he's also slightly a believer. You know what I mean? He is a, also, uh, Virgo Moon Sag Rising in Taurus. I'm sorry, yeah, and he, and of course he loves Rachel Dratch, and he's been listening, and he loves yeah. the podcast, and he does believe in uh, in woo woo things actually. Yeah, well, I mean, it, with look, a, if you with believe, a healthy dose of skepticism, if you believe cutting taxes yeah. for millionaires helps a deficit, you're into supernatural. Okay, shit. you know what? At Irene Bremis 13, and I'm married to a bleeding heart liberal. He's a okay, this guy, guy does nothing but Very save lives. God lovely. damn it! I love your husband. Thank you. And Mr. Dratch, you're still on on Twitter. You haven't bailed? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh-huh. I don't go on there very often. It's, I'm more on Instagram at Ray Dratch because I made it confusing. R-A-E Dratch. Well, that's great of you. I know. I, I don't, that was a few years ago. So, I, so now I wasn't being savvy. Ray Anyways, Dong Chong is getting all the Debbie Downer fans. Ray Dong Chong at Ray... At, who's that at, basketball player? Ray, Ray Dratch. Ray. Rando. Um, oh. Ray, uh, no, at Ray Dratch. At Ray Dratch. Ray Dratch. Okay. Guys, thank you so much. I can't thank wait so to hear more episodes. And, uh, and thanks for classing up our show again. Thank you. Thank you.